This episode of Troxel is supported by Avail. Content is more than Revit families. If it's digital, Avail can handle it. Learn more at getavail.com. Welcome to the Troxel Podcast. This is Evan Troxel. In this episode, I welcome Roman Gorshkov. Roman is a UK-based architectural designer and self-taught developer. In 2008, he received his master's in Ukraine and a year later, a bachelor's in structural engineering. In 2009, he was employed by a prominent architectural practice, RMJM, to work on iconic skyscrapers and residential developments across Europe. Soon after, Roman was transferred to the head office based in Edinburgh, UK, which allowed him to work on a multitude of projects and recognize the importance of studio collaboration, teamwork, and design workflows. In 2014, he joined Kettle Collective, which is a small, multidisciplinary Edinburgh architectural practice where he is now an architectural associate. The primary focus of his work at Kettle Collective has been urban design and master planning for major clients in the Middle East. His expertise and drive for better workflows within the practice led to The Brief's creation. The Brief is a premium piece of software designed specifically for the early stages of urban design. The primary focus is simple user interactions to unlock creativity, bring passion to the profession, and celebrate human intuition, primarily on an iPad. In this episode, we discuss the reasons why Roman and Kettle Collective have invested in the development of the brief in an effort to help the developer clients they work with visualize the numbers of the project in more meaningful ways to enhance the decision-making process, and also to aid in making design changes much less painful for the people doing the work on the project. We also talk about how Roman got his start in design technology with Rhino and Grasshopper and was inspired along the way by tools like City Engine and how and why he went the route of using Unity as a development platform to ultimately put the brief on iPads. And finally, we talk about a few more apps on iPad that round out a great design-centric ecosystem. So without further ado, I bring you Roman Gorshkov. Roman, welcome to the podcast. Great to see you, meet you, and uh, and you know you're you're across the the other side of the the world. Well, almost from me, at least half the world around. So you're in, you're in, coming to me from Scotland today. Thanks for coming. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. It's kind of big big fan of your uh, show. Just following you for a while now. Great, and and you are the creator, founder of the Brief Space, and the brief app and i'm really interested I, I see your linkedin updates all the time obviously we're friends on linkedin the posts that you're doing i think it 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 reminds me of when we first saw sketchup right it was we'd, we'd all been using more cad based i mean sketchup's still a cad based modeling program but i remember when we first saw it it was just like it's approachable it's friendly and when i look at you, what you're doing with brief i feel the same way and it's probably part software, part hardware. And I think that's what something that we should talk about today because I think like this is one of the big hurdles that makes it difficult for architects to choose to go down a different path as far as software goes is 
how friendly is it? How user friendly? What's the user experience like? Anyway, we'll we'll get into all that. I I would love it if you would first maybe just give us um, a brief history on how you got to where you are. I'm I'm based in Scotland, um, and I'm currently an associate in architectural practice. Uh, so we we do architecture, interior design, and urban planning. So for the last about 10, 7 years, I was involved in a kind of major urban planning developments in the Middle East. Um, and it's basically where the app was born and the idea about the app. Um, so I, I was thinking about it for the last five years. Uh, and the reason behind is, uh, like every firm in the world, we have our internal scripts, internal workflows. Uh, but there is just a very small group of people who can work with it. Uh, but we have much bigger studios. So you can imagine 50, 60 people in a studio and only 10 people can work and uh, with Rhino, Grasshopper, Scripts, and kind of C-sharp. The power users, the super users, right? Yeah. yeah, so the idea was just to take all of this knowledge and everything we've done and, and give it to other people in the studio. Um, it, it was kind of one of the reasons. Uh, another reason is our studio is a Mac-based. So some of our employees have an iPad, um, and and we saw a couple of times that we we basically want a job using the Procreate and iPad. So you're on a, on a plane, you need to make a quick change, uh, and you draw a sketch on on your iPad. You send to to a client, and the client approves it, and and it's a huge, you know, like you, you don't have to spend hours developing a card drawing. Sometimes for the client, it's it's enough to see an idea, uh, a quick sketch, uh, and then you can move forward from it. So it's where kind of these two ideas combined form the new application. So one is to bring kind of everything the power uses use, using to everyone else, uh, but also making it very simple to use and acceptable. So it's like a sketch on a paper. Um, so it's very quick. Um, yeah it's like shareable right like that uh, yeah that's why instagram became the, the the juggernaut that it is it was like before that we didn't have an easy way to share an image with a larger audience that was super easy convenience <laughs> rules everything right and so the idea that that you can sketch on an ipad is not much different from being able to sketch on paper except that you have unlimited layers you have a full color palette to, at your disposal probably won't use it right you have all of the you have some apps but the, but the biggest feature is that little share button and so boom it's gone it it's it's off to the client to the team to whoever and that is really the power of the these mobile devices right it's just the the ability to you don't have to go through three extra steps or five extra steps to get the thing from your desk to the person. Like you don't have to scan it. You don't have to take a photo of it. You don't have to make sure the lighting's right. You don't have to touch it. You do all that right there and then boom, it's gone. I think that's a, a brilliant insight. Yeah. And, and I think the actual uh, hardware part, there is nothing else on the market like an iPad. Um, I, I think it's the only kind of big screen mobile device that you can use and provide kind of premium experience for a user. And also it's, uh, I believe it's an easier way to approach developers and non-architect uh, professions as well, because they they usually they don't use you know professional software. Uh, they are stuck in um, Excel spreadsheets. Mm. It will be a good thing to show them 
their numbers in, in 3D or they can develop their uh, own 3D and then architect will develop further. further. So interesting interesting to think of it that way too and and you think about like the way that business development is done and maybe these early stage concept sketches like you're talking about are done by people who aren't necessarily like in a studio of your size tell me if i'm wrong but you've got younger people doing the work you've got the people who are more experienced they're in leadership positions they've they've done projects before they know how to communicate well they're the, it's definitely people that you want to send out of the office because they're so good at that and and they grew up doing what you're talking about in an analog way but now they can do it in a digital way and people still find tons of value clients on the on the mm-hmm. You know that that end of the they they see that and it's magical to them. I would imagine, and and that's my experience at least. They they watch you sketch, and because they can't do it, it's magical. And it and to watch those ideas unfold in real time, and then hey, you want a copy? Here's a copy. Right, this is for you to play with, to think about, to tinker with later. I think it's a that part of the process cannot be denied, and it's still a huge part of it. So it's interesting to think about how you took that idea that's sketch-based and you're turning it into an app that does much more than that like you said you wanted to take the experience of of 10 people and give it to the rest of the studio the ability to to play and so i imagine there's a lot of algorithms and you know encoded knowledge from the things that you do as a studio over and over and over again that are working behind the scenes to enable somebody to play with the ui and have a great experience Working in a conventional software, you start seeing the patterns, you know, like all the buttons you're pressing every day over and over. Um, uh, and, and the idea is to take all of this and minimize. So if you had 10 buttons to press before to draw a road or to make a plot, or I'm just trying to take it and put into one one thing so it's easier for user you can converge all of those pieces into one workflow right yeah yeah um and just keep it as simple as possible um but also there is a huge the the huge problem is it is kind of the it's not the actual workflow but changes that are coming from kind of externally the design process is change constant change right Yeah. yeah Yeah, so it's 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 making the changes quicker. Um, so working on a huge master plans, you you might have you know like thousands or hundreds of plots uh, or villas or kind of residential uh, blocks, um, and a small change like moving a road ripples out. Yeah, yeah, everything and, and changes. Yeah, yeah, there is nothing in the software that we're using in the studio that will make this process less painful, uh, and it just hours of work. Uh, in a studio so just trying to minimize this uh, time uh, in in changes and a kind of in design process so we can quickly iterate as well it's interesting the disconnect that happens between maybe the people who are out maybe it's not disconnected but it often is there's the people out who are doing those design decision making those design decisions and maybe they do maybe they don't understand how much work it is back at the studio then to to coordinate those changes throughout all of the different drawings, views, renderings, everything. It, it actually, the, the process that you just described reminded me of old school rendering, CPU-based rendering. 
end of the day, late at night, early in the morning, whenever it was, when we finally pushed the render button, fingers crossed, in 12 to 18 hours, <laughs> that rendering was going to be okay. And, and then the design changed, right? And then we got to do that again. And, and it wasn't, it was like, it wasn't maybe hands-on coordination of all of these different things, but it was just, just to kind of put an analogy to the thing that you were just talking about that, that those have, who have been in the profession for a long time might understand, or at least a couple decades. It's like, that's what it's like when you make a change like to a road and it ripples out through the whole urban plan, the software, like, like when it's all manually done, you have to manually coordinate all that. And so these are the kinds of things that you're talking about are being done kind of behind the scenes. You've got to set a system of constraints and linkages and things that are enabling those changes to, I don't know, ripple out in real time. You tell me, I don't know how fast, what, what it's like, but, but I would imagine that those are the kinds of problems you're interested in solving because that's where the huge time savings can be had. Yeah. And, and I think it's kind of one, uh, one part, it's kind of one element of the app. So we're trying to look, um, uh, on the wider range of kind of wider spectrum of what problems we can solve. Um, so, the first element is just making the process much easier uh, and reduce time spent on changes. Um, another part is just provide all the useful information for external users, you know, like all the uh, data, all the numbers, all the areas they want, because they... That helps them make decisions, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then moving on into more kind of urban planning aspects, you know, like provide the shadow analysis and sustainability element and, you know, like just measuring the catchment area of amenities, you know, like all the important things for urban planning uh, to enable making further kind of a better decision and making better design for our kind of cities. So, so give us an idea of what Brief does. And then what I want to do is I want you to give us an idea of your background, what, how you were trained. And then we, I would, because I think a lot of the audience would like to know, you're not, you're not just a software developer. You're, you're not coming at this from the outside. You're also coming at this from the inside. And that I think for a lot of people is kind of overwhelming, right? To do it all, to think about even trying to do it all. There's a lot of firms who are, who, who will just go straight to hiring a software developer to make the, the vision within a firm or within an industry, a reality. So you taking that on yourself, I think, is an interesting story. And I think that would be something we should talk about. But give us an idea of what the brief app, like your goals with it, what your vision of it is, and, and maybe not the grand vision, all of the roadmap, but what, where, are you, where are you starting? What are the problems you're interested in solving? And then let's go back and kind of tell people how you became this software developer. Well, as I said, it's... Um... The, the first thing is just to solve the, the problems of today, um, help architects to design and make these uh, changes quicker. Um, the second part is uh, to help developers visualize um, their numbers. So all the brief that we are getting from developers, they were getting just numbers. They want to see how it's going to look in, in, kind of in 3D, uh, the actual design. Mm-hmm. So just to to help with developers and architects to solve the problems of today um, and moving forward, uh, providing more features 
uh, geared towards the actual urban design and city planning, uh, similar to what um, maybe City Engine has done, but kind of simplifying it again, um, so kind of more people can use it. Um, so this is kind of the idea of the actual app. Um, I don't think if you if you want, I can go into specifics, kind of you know, like how it works well, and, and stuff. Uh, I, th- I think what I would be interested in hearing is how you made decisions to make it look like it does. Because to me, every time I see it, an image or an animation of it that you post on LinkedIn, it it looks inviting. That's probably the best word that I can use to describe it. So how did you get there? Because it it doesn't look like the Rhino interface. It doesn't look like the Revit interface, right? It's 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 different on purpose. And so wh- where'd that come from? Uh, to, to be honest, it came from uh, Scratch. So my uh, uh, my child, he's kind of five years old. He's learning Scratch just now, and it's very simple and approachable interface with node based things. So I, I the, the idea was to create something that child can use. Um, and and my kind of tester was always kind of my my son. So every every button I place, I'm just trying to to think. You know, like what's the reason about this button? Uh, do I really need it? Um, and then how to make it simpler? If if there is no reason for this button to be, I just remove it. Or I'm trying to find another kind of another way to, you know, represent it um, on an interface. I, I don't know. There, there there is a lot of kind of uh, the actual urban design process is is very difficult, and there is a lot of different components in play. So the process behind uh, inventing the UI was basically listing all of the elements I need to include uh, and then see how I can combine them or group them together. So you ended up uh, having only five groups of controls and and not 100 kind of sliders or 100 kind of checkboxes. So it it helps kind of minimize controls. Um, but also, I I know it might sound bad, but I, I think giving people a lot of options, especially in software, might reduce the kind of the user experience. You know, like it will be overwhelming for people to use this software. So I'm trying to make some decisions uh, myself and hope people will like them, because you, you you can't give the whole, all the control to people. Uh, it, it will be just. Um, it will become another, you know, like AutoCAD or another huge software that does everything and, and can't do anything else, you know, very good. Yeah, there's definitely kind of that core set of elements that make it that MVP, you know, release that you could, of course, you're going to add to it over time. You'll make changes over time. But I think getting it down to the essence like you're talking about so that it's the most useful immediately to the most people immediately is a delicate balance that's uh something we deal with at at tech also with our with our service and our app and our platform it's like uh we originally developed a part of it that went out and people saw it and they're like whoa this is way too much this is i i let's dial it back and and it's it, you're doing that editing yourself, right? I think that's interesting to think about how how you and you're showing it off too. I, I assume you get some feedback just based on the visuals of the things that you're sharing and how it just looks good. And and I'm sure that's 
that gets people at least over the first hurdle, which is to pay attention to it, right? But then actually to watch what you're doing in it and the problems you're solving with it, I, I assume you get feedback there. And I assume, do you have any other people testing it to kind of give you that feedback that, that helps you get to that version, whatever, version 0.1, version 1? <laughs> yeah, well, we currently have kind of internal discussion in, in the studio because um, I'm lucky to, to be kind of to to fully to be fully employed in architectural practice, um, uh, and I and I speak with people on a daily basis, so I know I know what the problems they're facing. Um, so it helps a lot, um, but also there there is a lot of interest from um, students and universities. So a lot of professors and kind of uh, teaching fellows are contacting me, asking about the features. Um, because it seems like a, a lot of universities that have kind of bundles of different softwares that are trying to teach people, kind of students to use, and the reason they're interesting in in brief is because it's acceptable. It kind of you can use it very freely, and they can teach the urban design process and urban design kind of uh, kind of theory in it. Uh, so fundamentals, the theory. fundamentals, yeah, yeah right. So uh, this is kind of the two kind of I'm getting kind of reviews from from universities, uh, but also taking some experience from 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 the company I'm working for. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to think about it as a tool for professionals and also a tool to teach the theories and the concepts of urban planning. That's really interesting. Teaching tool. Did you ever think it would be a teaching tool? No, no. I, I thought uh, the first idea was to create kind of something similar to a game. So it's, you know, like I, I even thought about the, you'll have kind of uh, points, you know, like if you build a better city, you'll get more points and, you know, so it's gamified. more like a, a gamified. Yeah. yeah. Right. But then it becomes more serious just, uh, just because I was trying to help myself, really. Uh, I went through so many projects where we, we had to spend a lot of nights changing kind of elements of the design um and you always see the opportunity to change it uh but the problem is you just have deadline after deadline after deadline uh there is almost no time to just to get back and focus on something else um so it's one of the kind of hardest part of developing uh the brief let's take a quick break to share more about our sponsors in this podcast, I talk a lot about all the realities with my guests, you know, mixed reality, augmented reality, virtual reality, all the realities. And I've got a new message for you from my friends at Avail. Let's talk about the new reality, which is that content, as I've talked about in the previous message from them, both wants and needs to live everywhere. Long gone are the days of saving files to your local hard drive or to a single on-premises server. In order to solve remote collaboration, information has moved to the edge. The cloud is king, and the number of cloud services out there dictate that the number of storage locations will continue to grow dramatically. Where do you store your files? BIM 360, OneDrive, SharePoint, Box, Dropbox, AWS, Azure. Chances are you probably save them in some weird combination of those that I just mentioned and more. Well, here's the point of this message. Avail hides the complexity of where content and information resides. What file to use used to be your biggest concern. Now it's where do all those files live. Avail takes where out of the equation 
which means that with Avail, you can actually find your mission-critical and not-so-critical files too, right when you need them. Avail helps get you the information you need faster. Go to getavail.com today to learn more. And now let's get back to our conversation. There's so many ideas, but only so much time to pursue them <laughs> and so many possible futures of a project like this. And you have to pick you have to pick one path. And those decisions are made one step at a time along the way. I, I'm definitely interested in this, how you got to the point where you are fully employed by an architectural practice, but also are developing this app how you balance the workload and the time and and how you get support to do that. But before we get to that, I think what will lead into that is how did you take this on? What's your background? What's your training? You've obviously been in the profession for a while and now you're doing software development too. So I, I want you to kind of paint a picture of how that process happened for you. Yeah. So, so I, I, I received my master's, um, Back in Ukraine, um, and I moved to. Wait, this is not a Scottish accent. I'm here. Okay. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Sounded just like Sean Connery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so you got your master's in Ukraine. Yeah, uh, I I I wasn't able to find a job uh, back in my home country. So, um, and my brother uh, moved to Russia. So I had an opportunity to move with him, um, and I and I found a job in an international company. It was called RMGM, um, with with the head office in Edinburgh. So at the time they were developing a kind of a very tall tower, um, kind of in the city center of Saint Petersburg. Um, so it's where I started my kind of professional training and and kind of being involved in a real world kind of project. So I spent. Uh, maybe five years at RMJM and was transferred to Scotland to the head office uh, to continue working on kind of on detailed stages of different projects. Uh, so th- this is how I kind of got in, in Scotland. Uh, and then uh, one of the directors uh, opened his own company uh, called Kettle Collective. Uh, kind of, it, it's kind of a small architectural uh, startup, uh, but it, it, it celebrated 10 years a month ago. Um, so we're together for about kind of 15 years uh, already. Uh, kind of started to work in kind of maybe 10, 15 people. Now we're a huge, kind of huge company, kind of 60 people uh, working mainly in, a, in the Middle East. Um, so uh, I, I was mainly involved when, when I started working in Cattle Collective. I was mainly involved in urban design uh, projects and developments. Um, and, and it's where I kind of I get kind of trained and be involved in real world projects and being able to uh, kind of communicate kind of our design decisions and ideas with the clients. Um, uh, and I start kind of stumbling upon different kind of design problems, workflow problems within the studio, how we can uh, make something quicker or reduce amount of work. Um, so it's why I started using Grasshopper and writing my own scripts. So it all started with a kind of Java, learning Java myself uh, at the evenings. Um, uh, C Sharp was easy because it's based on, on Java. It's basically Microsoft Java. So 
it was easy to transition uh, and improve the workflows within the studio. Um, so now we have about five people who can use uh, Grasshopper and, and kind of uh, do their own kind of scripts. Did you train them it. or did they come with that knowledge? Uh, well, I, I supported them. Uh, some of them knew how to use uh, Grasshopper. Some of them uh, didn't. So I had to support them in their learnings. Uh, but they just... Uh, gives an opportunity to do focusing on other elements of the project. Um, and then so working Cata Collective, I transitioned from designer to senior designer to associate. Uh, the the big plus of our studio is compared to other companies, e- even as you grow, you're still very involved in the hands-on kind of experience. So you're still drawing you're still kind of making presentation, you're still using software. So you're not only kind of working as an administrator of the project or like a manager of the project, you're still involved in a design process as well. So every uh, kind of senior senior staff of in our company, uh, they're still very involved in the kind of in the project itself and a design process, uh, which, which helps a lot um, and keeps everyone organized. So, uh, you know, everyone knows what they're doing. And you can see all the problems, uh, you know, like you, you, you just with the team all the time. Uh, so it's where it, it's where I started thinking about the brief and how to help myself and the team to to spend less time on, on a project. So I started developing it on my own time. Um, and originally it was a series of scripts in a grasshopper. And it firstly I transferred them to Unity. Uh, so Unity was my platform to, to use just because it was quick transition from Rhino Commons to C Sharp and Unity. So it's where I started. Uh, and then a year ago, I started kind of uh, moving everything into native iOS uh, platforms. So with Unity, let's pause there for a minute. The, the idea of of picking that one, why Unity? You said it was easy maybe to transition. Is there more than that? Like what, if people are out there, looking for to get into this kind of thing like make a pitch for for why you chose unity or if you would choose something different i mean that's the idea here i would love to share have you share your experience there and and that kind of decision making process to pursue that path i i always felt like that uh, all the software in architectural industry is far back than what uh, game industry using and film industry is using, and the, the the actual workflows they are developing in the film industry they're much more superior than what we have. So this was was one of the reasons why I I, I start looking into the game agents, and there was just kind of two choices: you you go for Unreal Engine or Unity, um, and the reason for the Unity just because it's easier to after you finish your project you can build it for different uh, mobile platforms. Um, I knew I, I used. Uh, I'm going to develop the i kind of iPad version and potentially the uh, Mac OS. So this was one of the reasons why Unity kind of uh, I move forward with the Unity. Uh, but you can you can develop the same the same similar app with Unreal Engine as well. So it's um, it just kind of my preference. 
What were some of those workflows that maybe, are there any kind of eye-opening workflows that you saw in the film industry or visual effects or gaming that really made you like come to the conclusion that you did about how far behind architectural based software is? It, it, it was one of the, I think it was 2018 or 2017 when uh, Disney released, um, I don't remember the, the name, uh, one of the kind of animation films, uh, and I, sorry, it was Atropolis, um, and, they, and they showed on a stage how they were kind of the whole development process. Um, and they, uh, there was a director and, and a huge department of artists and animators and developers, uh, but what, what they did, they, they created a workflow where director was able to sketch the planning, kind of a zoning of the city, uh, and then developers and artists uh, using city engine and uh, kind of their own scripts were able very quickly iterate, um, and it was done in in days. So every time director would sketch a new zoning diagram, it will come as a color palette into their software, and it will generate the whole city again. Uh, so as an urban yeah. planner, you were like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Yeah. yeah. And it's where the idea came came through. You probably saw one of my kind of animations where I have kind of colorful zones. Um, and it's basically coming from this talk where I, I think everything in urban planning can be driven by zoning. Uh, and each color represents so much information. Um, and then it just, it, it, it became one of the kind of ideas and the core elements of of my application where the color is drives the whole process interesting yeah that's really interesting so now you have a team of five or so people that that are using computation as design to help create workflows tools that your studio uses and and now you're using you're interested in unity pursuing unity to go into ios development on the ipad and and for the Mac. So one of the things that you brought up earlier was, you know, you, you learned Java on the at nights and weekends. Right. And then it, you transitioned into Microsoft's version of Java. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then, and then you unity, I assume is kind of the same thing. Are you, are you pursuing that on your own nights and weekends kind of a thing? Y- yes. Yeah. It, 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 to be honest, whoever is kind of trying to, uh, uh, to jump uh, into Unity after kind of Orion and Grasshopper, I would assume it will be kind of very straightforward. It has a very s- simple interface. Kind of w- one of the kind of first shocks uh, shock using Unity was is kind of most of it needs to be coded. Uh, so it, it, even simple actions like opening the door or uh, I don't know, rolling the ball, it, it all has to be kind of coded uh, and and in some way, it makes it easier. Um, so you, you don't have this massive interface like in Unreal Engine. Um, I think Unity now have the node-based uh, coding elements as well, kind of. Um, like visual uh, programming. Uh, yeah, visual programming element. But it, it should be it, it should be very straightforward after kind of Rhino and uh, Rhino Commons. Um, another good thing, I think both uh, both. Uh, Game engines, they have very good documentation. 
uh, again, you know, like if you take any software that architects are using, the documentation is awful. It's awful. Yeah. I, I actually have heard people choose Unreal because of the amount of documentation and training that's available for it instead of Unity. And I'm, I'm sure it's kind of a race. Like there's, I'm sure that they're, they kind of go in chunks and maybe they, maybe they don't leapfrog each other. Maybe they do in some ways, but not others. But um, that's good to hear that there's, there's good documentation for either, either direction. Yeah. I, 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 the, I, I like working in Rhino. Um, and I think what, um, uh, what David did with Grasshopper is amazing. Uh, and it was one of the first kind of uh, node-based uh, system for architects. Uh, but, but coming from the Rhino common documentation into Unity or Unreal, uh, you know, like it, it just uh, um, blows it away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting to hear. So, okay, so you've you've said you have three big buckets in your life. You have <laughs> your practice, you have your app, and you have a five-year-old. <laughs> so. That to me is where things are difficult. It's like, how do you get the support from the studio to integrate the app and the practice and the training of the people in, so that you're not just, and maybe you are. I don't know what the what the answer here is. I don't, we haven't talked about this yet, but it's it seems like that those are three huge things. And so, how do where does it all fit together uh, in, like when it actually comes down to accomplishing all of these things? Well, the the family takes priority, uh, so I'm trying to find as much time as possible for my family. In terms of the uh, Cattle Collective Studio, uh, in the recent years they were very supportive, um, and we were able to reduce the amount of kind of overtime. So we were trying to do all our kind of work in working hours and reduce the amount kind of uh, work outside the studio or weekends. Um, so in, in the last five years, I think we were able to streamline all our processes to reduce the uh, amount of kind of, kind of, so people can feel more comfortable working in the studio. Is that a big driver of, of why you guys are pursuing the technology in these ways is to reduce that overtime stuff? Not, not, not really. Uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think the main driver is just to, just to get from one project to another quicker. Um, and it's not, uh, uh, there is not only the, the revenue of the company, but also just to get uh, a new interesting project. So you, you don't want to be stuck on one project for three years. Um, we, we had a couple of projects like this, uh, and it's they're very exciting projects. Uh, it was kind of just because they're a huge project, we had to work for three, five years on them. Uh, but we're just trying to mix uh, the teams all the time, just so people are not getting bored. Uh, but also just to provide enough, you know, like the, the weekends are for people uh, uh, to work with their kind of families and the mental health stuff. And, yeah. 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 Have so, an actual life too. Yeah. Outside. Yeah. Of so, so with, with this, with this kind of, uh, it, it leaves an opportunity to have all your weekends for yourself. Um, you have spare time um, and evenings as well. Uh, so sometimes it's challenging just to be motivated. Uh, but every time someone kind of comes up on the social media saying the app is great, so you just it just helps. <laughs> it fuels it, gives you a little more boost to your battery. Yeah. So that that's that's cool. And and so where are you headed 
next with with brief i know it's not it's not like out there for public consumption is that a goal is it something you want to keep for the studio and the office or or what what are your plans so the goal is release it as a commercial product probably so we were planning for this summer but we need more time to develop it uh, and the plan is to release you know the basic version so people can test it and give their real feedback uh using the app um and then go from there um, and see how it develops. Uh, but we have a couple of kind of great ideas, uh, and I think if if the first app will really kind of will be released and a lot of people will love it, it again will kind of help us to kind of support us and develop it further. Um, but yeah. what what do you see as kind of the app ecosystem on the iPad for architects and urban planners? I have my guesses, but I'm I'm interested to hear because one of the big pushes from Apple in recent years is to have what they call desktop grade apps on the iPad or iPad Pro. Um and so the pencil is, was a game changer for the fidelity of and the speed at which, you know, there was the line was not lagging behind the tip of the pencil anymore. They have the 120 hertz refresh rate. There's all kinds of, you know, the promotion stuff in the screen. All of these things contribute to, like you said, there's just an amazing experience. And I think that was what, like, that's why other hardware isn't competing with it is because it's not as fast or as satisfying to use when you have a fantastic experience using it what are the other apps in that ecosystem that are really rounding out a a tool set for architects and for urban planners i think the the first one is uh, definitely procreate um and and we're looking at ways to to kind of to work together so we can you know like you can export the 3d graphics into procreate and sketch on top of it um, and then with multitasking capability of iPad, you can do kind of a split screen uh, and quick screen grab and, and sketch on top of your design. So I, I think it will, you know, just help the design process. Um, but also we're investigating the option, you know, like you, you're talking about the iPad kind of the iPad apps being on the Mac as well. Yeah, so the Apple was working on a, Mac Catalyst uh, API for for a number of years now, so there is an easy way to transition from iPad to uh, to Mac application, and it will open up much kind of bigger opportunities as well. Some of the other apps that I think are, you know, aimed at architects, but also really just do an amazing job. Not it's not it's not just that they're aimed at at at, at architects. Is uh, like Morfolio Trace is a fantastic kind of sketch based it's 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 like procreate but it's more you have stencils you've got like templates and things like that you've got this kind of familiar especially if you're my age right or older which is this idea of laying down layers of trace on top of each other and coming up with iterating on ideas over time i think that that that's really great and then rhino just came out with a new version of i rhino uh, and you can get it through test flight there's no um there's no real hurdle for anybody to kind of beta test it. And I think the reason that they're doing that from what I read on the forum was they're trying to get people to use it so that they can test their metal API integration, which is the the graphics, the GPU based accelerated drawing, right. That's going on so that the next version for the, the Mac of Rhino will take advantage of that too. So I, I think that's kind of interesting, this kind of back and forth, 
um, between Mac hardware and because it's all running on the same processors now, at least the, the latest hardware is all running on the same processors. So that that's advantageous to them. So those are some other apps that I would pick to put into, you know, you can, what, what's cool about the new iRhino, and I, I guess I should talk to them about this, but you know, it's, it's way more powerful than the old version you, you can do. 2d drawings you can see all the layers uh you can't do anything in it except it's a viewer it's still a viewer right but i i would imagine like they they probably they're not saying anything about what their plans are for it but you have the different rendering styles all kinds of neat things like that so as a viewing application it's still great but um those would be a couple that i would throw into the mix yeah i think another one is the spaces it's a new app it was released Two years ago, I think, uh, and it's and it's very similar to SketchUp for an iPad. Um, so, you, but it has sections, uh, area schedules, and it uses pencil. So you can draw. The idea is you can draw the plan and then erase part of the plan. But on the side of the screen, you can immediately see a three D model, and then you can slice it with kind of um, levels. And I think they released an uh, kind of integration with Archicad as well, so you can pass the model back to Archicad, and it will respect all the levels you set up. So it, it it seems very promising as well. Is that what your studio uses for BIM? Do you use Archicad? Yeah, we're using Archicad. I know that Archicad is a lot more prevalent in Europe than it is in the U.S., but there there are obviously quite a few smaller and medium-sized offices using it in the U.S. as well. But uh, it's good to hear that there's still some holdouts out there. Uh, and and I just recently, again, to bring up Rhino, there, you know, Grasshopper is available for, in Archicad, right? It, mm-hmm. As far as you yes. can... Yeah, there's a connection. Create the connection. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Is there anything else that you think is worth mentioning or that you'd like to bring people's attention to? I, I, I'm going to put links to all of the places where people can follow along and, and watch the development happen of Brief on your LinkedIn page or anywhere else. But is there any other topics that we didn't cover that you, you think we should? Uh, no, no, I think we covered most of it. I, I would just say that if if I'm, I'm very open and if people want to contact me or ask any question, uh, or just know more about the app or myself, they can just email me. So, so it's at uh, roman at thebrief.space. Uh, so it, it's very easy to reach me because, you know, like the most important thing is just to ask a question. You know, like it's, it's how it's how I'm trying to to develop myself and develop the app. If I don't know something or I'm interested in something, I just ask a question. Um, so... Well, kudos to you for for biting this off and and developing it to the state at which you have. Like I said, every time I see it, I, I'm excited to see it because it it looks beautiful. It like that's to Thank me to get over that first hurdle of just getting my interest and my attention to see what you're doing with it is. Uh, I know that that's a hard thing to do. So it, it looks beautiful. Kudos to you, and and I'm excited to see this app show up in test flight and for people to be able to give you more feedback and test it and and play with it because anytime that you can make the design process more playful, which I think like that's to me, that's what you're doing with this at, at the urban planning level, there's powerful stuff going on in there. But I feel like if, if I can play with it, then I'm going to enjoy opening up that app. I'm going to use it a lot more. And there's so many apps that we use that we just hate to even open up (laughs) because we're forced (laughs) to, right? In this industry, like you said, we're far behind. 
you know, there's only a few of those apps that have come along over time. You know, SketchUp did did that in the beginning. They somehow cracked the code and and made it fun. Enscape has done that. You know, there's 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 products like that out there that have come up with the magic and and I feel like you're on the path to that as well. So yeah. Thank you. And thank you for kind words. Appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks for joining me today. This has been a fantastic conversation. And I'll put links to all your websites, your LinkedIn, everything on Twitter. And you said everybody can email you, Roman at the brief.space. So uh, I appreciate your time today. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Thank you. And cheers. Bye bye. Thank you to Avail for their support of this podcast episode. Visit getavail.com to see their holistic approach to content management today. This show is part of the Gable Media Podcast Network. You can see all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. You can help support what I'm doing here by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out and, of course, share it with your friends. I'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment on the website at trxl.co slash podcast, where you can find every episode. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. Just search for E. Troxel. Talk to you soon.